Hey, pleasant day to everybody listening out there. This is the Friendship News Hour presented to you by Bummer Dude Media. Today is November the 1st. The rent is due. My name is Frank and his name is Alex. What's up, dude? <laughs> Not much, man. How'd your Halloween go? Was it good? It's a good Halloween. We chilled. We uh, we went and played a little golf. Nine nice. holes, pitch and putt. Brought the brought the baby. Nice. Really cool, actually. Two weeks, two weeks old on the golf course. Everything's going exactly to plan. How was the swing? Uh, pure, <laughs> pure as the undriven. Um, do you guys hand out candy or anything or? Yeah, we did. There, we had quite a few trick-or-treaters actually more than we expected. So how about yours? What Dude, was, what was Walt this year? We didn't address Walt up cause we didn't go like door to door. I thought what that, the hell? Be, I thought it'd be weird. Like, Hey, give me candy. So we, we just sat and passed out candy the whole time. So he was dressed as a suburbanite, I guess. Mm. We didn't really have as many as anticipated. Like I went to Costco, bought that big ass bag, and I still have well over half of it left, man, which is a problem in itself. Yeah, I'm so glad we didn't do that. <laughs> we bought a uh, like half that size, and uh, we had one piece of candy left over. Thank God. Oh man, I got hundred grands and Snickers and Reese's just staring me in the face, man. I don't know what to do with myself. You set out an unofficial uh, ranking. Yes. And nobody does that without uh, the expectation of getting lit the fuck up about dude, it. And I did, man. I yeah, well, did. rightly so. Dude. You had a hundred grand at number four. Yes, it's great. Bro, they book. shouldn't even continue to put that in oh. in the in the rotation. Dude. Oh, man. I got some candy facts for you later in the episode. I definitely want to bring up a hundred grand is a great candy bar. It's pretty it's much fine. all caramel, which I'm a yeah. huge fan of. It's, it's fine. It's like saying a Rolo is number four. It's a Rolo with, with crisps, crisps inside. Yeah. It's delicious. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> it's okay. Um, it's passable. <laughs> we'll we'll get back to that. But I, we uh, I had a buddy that I went to high school with uh, approach me. He sent us in in an email to bummerdo.media at gmail.com, as all of you guys should do if you have something you want to come on and talk to us about. Uh, but his name's Austin Thomas. He he sent me an email about kind of struggling to find happiness in a career or like or a career in general, just like something that he wants to be and stick with for years and years and years. And uh, we, we wanted to bring him on today and just kind of get more of that insight and kind of learn about his process. And I'm sure something that most people, a lot of people, millennials especially, are facing right now. I, I know I'm one of those people. And just to try to pick his brain a little more and see if we could kind of find something that was helpful, you know, in any way to start solving this problem. So we're joined by Austin Thomas, a friend of this ship. Austin, how you doing? Good. How are you doing, Frank? Pretty good, all things considered. Austin comes to us with a problem that I think is relatable to everybody uh, out there, particularly in our generation, and that is uh, finding a job. But more than finding a job, it's finding a job that can stick. Do I have that right, Austin? Yeah, I would say so. More so about uh, job hopping, you know? Um, okay. I think some of the article that I wrote and um, some of the articles that I've read focus on people not feeling happy in their positions. And I kind of have an idea on why that is. But it's just been an interesting kind of topic as I've gone through this, this process. I was wondering if I was the only one. Was I alone? You know, and it seems like this has kind of been a pertinent issue for the last, I'd say, 12 years, something like that. So you're going through jobs pretty frequently? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, I had a two-year stint at St. Francis. You know, I worked at UPS for probably three and a half years. Um, it's more satisfaction. So you're struggling finding a job that you would consider a lifelong career? Well, yeah, it's about finding a, a trade, a craft, something that you feel like a master mm -hmm. at. Like nobody feels like a master when they're training people to load boxes. Like that's not a skillful <laughs> trade. Uh, you know, you can show them how to do it and you can really, you know, keep everybody safe and show them how to build really nice box walls. But at the end of the day, that's not, it's not something transferable. Yeah. Like yeah. you can't walk into someone's home and be like, hey, I can show you how to build a good box wall. <laughs> Whereas an electrician could be like, hey, it can rewire your whole house. You know, it's, it's a different yeah. story. It seems to be a vicious cycle too. And this is no knock on you, Austin, but it's difficult to find mastery in anything if, if you're not there for a very long time. And so you don't feel fulfilled in one position, you leave and you keep going until you, you hope to find this one thing. And when you don't, and when the future looks bleak or doesn't look fulfilling, then, you know, it's on to the next and trying to find it. You asked, is this unique to you? And, and this is actually a very unique uniquely 
millennial uh, issue. And it's one that used to be looked at by employers as a, a, like a red mark on your resume. If they saw that like every year or two or so that you were hopping from job to job, that meant that you couldn't keep a, a position, you couldn't hold down a job, this, that, and the other. But with, with young professionals of our generation, it's very common to see that from here to here to here to here. I can only speak from my experience, but I think the, the, the theme of that for me was that, like you said, is either I got burnt out or I, I lost any sort of long-term fulfillment within this job, where even if I saw a track where I could go upwards, right? Like at UPS, I'm sure it's not difficult to get promoted. If you stay long enough and you put in the hours, you can get promoted. But where is that fulfillment in the future? Where does that where does it tie to you? Is, is that kind of the, the issue that you're going through? Well, UPS was a, a unique, I would say it's a unique uh, experience because I think you can make enough money at UPS. The corporate structure is pretty solid. It's been around for a long time. It's more so uh, just when I was training and you know going through that first process, it's very stringent on your body. I mean, your body wears down over time and it's hard to do that in an extended 10 year period. It's it's interesting that we're having this conversation now. I, I had I had the I was telling Al last week that um, I was lucky enough to be granted a, a, a mentee, right? So I'm a mentor for uh, a student that went through the same MBA program as I did. And when I was talking to him for the first time, we were kind of going through, you know, hey, hey, what are you trying to get out of this? What do you, you know, what do you hope to achieve? And he began to rattle off job titles that he thought he would want. Right. He's like, Oh, you're, you're, you're a, a product manager. That sounds interesting. It's not something I could do. And after he stopped talking, I said, okay, that's great. We can find you a job title, but I want to ask you a very simple question. What do you want? And I feel like when we were in undergrad, right, you went to university of Kentucky. Yes. Yeah. I feel like when we were at undergrad, the focus was always to get a job, to get a title, to get something where we can go start making money. The question was never, what do we want? Right. D nobody ever asked like in this major or whatever, you know, whatever degree that you got, what is it that you want to do? I think Al was actually pretty lucky because he went to school for a very niche subject where he wanted to find work in that field directly. Right, Al? Yeah, for sure. But I was going to kind of comment on it. Like, that was great. But also the thing that I went to school for, like I went to a liberal arts college here in Chicago called Columbia. And it was awesome. Like when I was in college, like the idea of going to college for audio engineering was sweet. Like, you know what I mean? I, I wanted to smoke weed, record people, part, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's fun. That's it. And it was like, it was a great time. All my credits for my first two years in business school at Toledo transferred. So like all my gen eds were out of the way. So I came here and pretty much just did music recording classes for two years. It was, it was awesome. But the problem that I've found since graduating from there was finding work where, where I'm actually getting paid in, in the studio world. People don't want to pay you for internships. So they're expecting you to work 40 plus hours a week, all kind of crazy hours for no money. And then you still have rent and yada, yada, all these other things you're trying to juggle and balance. And I ended up opening up my own studio because I'm like, screw this. I don't need to work for someone else for free. I'll do it myself. That was all good and dandy. But, you know, once it got time to get serious family, you know, all this other stuff kind of had to try to get to the professional world. And, and what I found is that my degree was so niche in something that many businesses like don't need. These days, it's it's all video content that is really pushing that all companies need to have. People don't really seem to care about audio. So, yes, it was cool to go for something so niche. But these days, I kind of feel like it hurts me. And, and I was going to kind of bring that up because I, I don't know. If it was just my college choice or like my degree of choice. And, and I feel like a lot of people in our generation are, are like this because I don't think there was nearly as many art schools, liberal art colleges when our parents and their parents were, were going to college, which probably more set them up for, you know, real world, the professional lifestyles. And nowadays, I think a lot of people just want to like check the box of, yes, I got a college degree, but then they go and get a degree exactly in something right. that maybe not be the most applicable thing to jumping into the job field and even being able to start building a career. So what I found in, in my life is that I've kind of had to tie up the shoes a little tighter and try to bust my ass to make ends meet most of the time instead of just going, you know, I found this job and now I just pick my time and I work my way up. And yeah, it just in my field, unfortunately, it just doesn't work that way. Well, I guess I'd like to chime in here. You know, something I find interesting, like larger companies like Amazon. So I'm employed by Amazon right now. You know, I'm working there as an entry level associate. Uh, and during the process to get hired, one of their questions is, am I going to stay longer than three months? Mm, Which I wow. find to be a fascinating Damn. question because it sets the people up for when you first are hired in 
to not expect advancement. And I think that's incredibly interesting, you know, and Amazon is, I mean, for right now in the tech world, it is the company, right? It is <laughs> the Holy grail, the Mecca, you know, they, they created how to monetize people's businesses via a platform. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're asking their employees that are in their factories, Hey, are you going to stay longer than three months? And I think, I mean, that's absurd. So if these large companies are saying, Hey, we don't think our employees are going to stay that long. It's almost ingrained into these companies' cultures. So I find that maybe there needs to be a question on both ends. You know, what do we want? And then how are these companies organizing their infrastructure? You know, are they doing it on purpose so people don't stay? You know, uh, because if that's the case, then something needs to be said by the greater majority of people. I mean, if you look at pyramid structure, all the people at the bottom would have to say something to the top for it to get changed. But you guys kind of see where I'm going with this, right? No, I know. I see. I see exactly where you're going with it, and and I think I think it's kind of an an interesting question to ask. I'm curious how many people actually respond truthfully to that, because if I'm an empl- even if I didn't have any intention of staying longer than three months, or I didn't know if I was going to stay longer than three months, I would never check that box because I would never want to be treated like somebody who was only going to be there temporarily, right? If that was the case, I'd go to a temp agency and apply there, right? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go go to Amazon and just be like, Hey, I want a temporary job for three months. And I think they have to ask that question because when you become so big, like Amazon is, and you have factory jobs and and warehouse jobs where all you're doing is shipping and printing labels and putting things in boxes and things like that. And you don't have any, any interest in advancement that I'm sure that turnover rate is extraordinarily high for Amazon. And so I, I think that if you wanted to find some sort of like advancement within Amazon, I'm sure it's not a difficult path to get on because they need as many middle managers as they do warehouse people. The one thing that I was able to find in my career, and it took me took me about two years to find it, two years of job hunting, two years of interviewing and d- declining offers and, and, and waiting and waiting and waiting until I found the right one, is, is working for a small company. And the company I work for has less than 70 people. And in your, in your uh, letter that you wrote that, that you shared with us, uh, Austin, that you, you said that employers should take in their employees as if they are family. And I think that's 100% correct. However, the larger your organization gets the more employees that you bring on, I'm not even gonna say it's harder to do. It's impossible to do that. It's not even in the realm of possibility to make 22,000 employees feel like they are family. It just, because you're relying on so many other different chains of command and that hierarchy has to exist if you want your business to run. So it's a really, really, really sticky wicket because you want to work for somebody that has stability. You, you know, maybe you don't want to work for a startup or for a company that, that, that does, it hasn't proved themselves and is a risky bet. So you go to a company, the first two companies I worked for had like 25,000 employees. And the next one had like 32,000 employees worldwide. So it was just big, giant, companies, huge conglomerates. And it, it just, uh, you just felt like a little fish in a pond. No matter how well you did, that like you could be a rock star. It didn't matter because it was always going to be the way that they had it set up. This big ship was designed to not maneuver quickly. And I, I'm hard pressed to find like a, a solution or give some advice or, 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 or anybody who's listening, who's, who's going through the same situation you are, Austin, to say like, you know, hey, this is what you should do. I think it just takes time and grinding it out and experience and going out there and casting a wide net and seeing what comes back and having the, you know, and and that's where the question where I I think it really boils down to the most important question is what do you want? Because if you can answer that question, what do you want? Then you can, then you can strategically deny an opportunity here, or you could say, well, thank you for your time, but this isn't for me. And you can focus in. And so when that job hits and it will hit, it will hit. That is, that is for sure. If you keep looking, it will hit. And then it'll light up in your head. You're like, oh, this is what I was looking for. You are who I wanted to find. And your idea of what an employee-employer relationship matches up with the person that's offering you a job. And that, I think, is kind of what you're looking for, right? Like your your values, your ideals matches with the person who's going to write you a check. Yeah, I guess I was... Actually, I was thinking about this today. So I, I picked up a shift and I was trying to think about what I was going to talk to you guys about. And I have a very silly analogy on how I think I would approach looking for a job and you guys will have to humor me on this because it's really done. But <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, you know, I love the hardware store. So if I'm going to think of looking for a job, 
like going to the hardware store and looking for a ladder. I want a very sturdy ladder. I don't want it to be super tall. I want it to have like a solid footing on both sides, you know, good rungs on each level. And I want to be able to set it up in a, you know, pretty much anywhere. And that's how I think a company should be. It should be mobile. It should be very sturdy. And, you know, uh, there shouldn't be any, you know, breakage in the rungs, I guess. So every step that I take should be a very solid step. Does that kind of clear up how I'm looking at, you know, looking for a job? It's finding the right ladder, I guess. Yeah. I think that there's a, a mystique out there about like a perfect company or a company that it's like going to check all these boxes. I think even the best companies are barely holding it together. And I mean like barely, right? Like I, I'm trying to think of like, I went through this MBA program and they, you know, they would give all these great examples of what good companies should be. And then examples of what bad companies were and what shouldn't be. And based off my professional experience, every time it would go back to Costco as like the shining example of what things should be. Costco is a recession away from completely collapsing. And I mean that seriously, right? Like they're, they're they have all, all kinds of brick and mortar stores. So if people stop buying from Costco and start going to Amazon or whatever, I mean, it's a really, really slippery slope for Costco to go downhill. So this is big giant company. They've done everything right. And all it could take is some circumstances outside of that to crumble it all down. I say all of this to say, give employers a little bit of grace, just a little bit, because it everywhere, everywhere is a, is just like a, a burning building, just waiting to crumble. And that's what, honestly, that's what a business is at the end of the day, because it's so volatile, so many things going on left and right and back and forth that you can't control. And the things that you can control, you're barely, you're barely controlling. I mean, you're barely controlling. So give them a little bit of grace. I don't know that there's ever going to be a perfect ladder, but there might be a perfect ladder for you where it's things that aren't so great. You can tolerate, right? Things that don't works so well are things, okay, I can live with that. That's fine. But if you're, you know, if you're not going to make me feel good, you're not going to reward me for my hard work. If I'm going to go pick up a shift and, and I'm not going to get recognized for doing that on a consistent basis, well, then maybe that's not for me, but, but maybe they, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of an example, like, like the company I work for very small. So there's not a lot of perks, right? You know, my, my, my girlfriend can go to work. She'll get free lunch every day. Great perk. I don't get that. We get K cups, uh, cured coffee. That's what we get. That's our perk. But I've never felt more taken care of in my life. And so it's all, it's all kind of trade-offs. Yeah, I get that. I, I know there's no perfect company out there. Right. And, um, I, I don't know. I have my own ideas on why businesses are all feeling like they're burning. I think that, you know, obviously we're not on the gold standard, but I think people are living on credit way too much. You know, our cash flow needs to, <laughs> Most companies, their cash flow needs to increase and they need to, you know, quit taking out credits. But that's more of a macroeconomic issue. So it's not exclusive to, you know, certain companies. But it's like Amazon hasn't made money, right? Traditionally, it hasn't been a money making company. Um, sure. They've never done well in the stock market. Well, I mean, I guess from a stock market standpoint, they do okay, but they're not not—they're not traditionally known for making a lot of money. Well, I mean, you can look at Costco, the same thing, right? Costco, the way that they are able to gain their advantage in the market is that they buy in bulk, sell in bulk, and their margins because of that are razor thin, right? Razor, razor thin. You know, technically they don't make a ton of profit comparatively, right? Same with Amazon, right? I, I, I forget how many years ago, it wasn't many that their actual merchant services, like the stuff you buy off Amazon, you know, barely turned a profit, right? But the scale, the economies of scale, the way that it, the way it's, the, the, their business is so large that for them to turn a profit, if you turning a profit at, you know, however many billions of, of dollars they do every year in commerce, it's a hefty profit. And then they make, they make their money on the back end off of uh, web services. And I also think that like through the years, they're slowly trying to monopolize what they do. Amazon's done great at that. Costco has done great at that. Like think about the amount of Sam's clubs you see compared to Costco. Oh yeah. Costco's eating Walmart's lunch there because they just continue to to build and grow and you know satisfy their customers and and their employees though Costco is a good example of what you are looking for an employer like there are some bad things about working there but it's great pay you know they take care of their own you really can start there making I think 15 16 an hour and as a cashier even make like 30 35 bucks an hour and then on Sundays you get time and a half and then there's tons of ways. For, and I have a lot of friends, me and Frank both do that have stuck with that company for four or five years and now are in management roles and, and doing great for themselves. So 
they are a, a really good example of maybe the ladder you're looking for or something like it. Well, I want to talk actually, Austin, about your your method of uh, searching for a job. Oh, I'm not good at this. <laughs> but I don't think anybody's good at this anymore. Like, I, all right, I'm an old school guy. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, Alex has known me for a while. I would say I'm rather traditional. Um, I was the kind of guy who would print off a resume. Usually it would have very base level stuff. And then I would just go meet with somebody. Yeah. Ask him if I could get a job. And then, you know, usually I would get hired or they wouldn't want to keep my resume. Right. Yeah. Um, and I've struggled a lot with the online process because everything's optimized. There's keywords that we got to hit. There's certain amounts of, uh, you know, experience that I have to have. And if I don't have that exact experience and I don't position it in a certain way, you know, in the right formatting, you know, on my resume, then I, it's not even going to get looked at. And so I find it to be a troubling process. Now mm. I understand, you know, companies have thousands and thousands of resumes and you know i i get that it's tough now it's almost like with things like indeed and monster it's kind of like how what tinder and, and these other platforms have done to dating like it's it's not you go to a bar you meet someone you get to know them talk to them blah 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 see if you connect with that person then you take them home it's swipe left or right you know looking like you're saying for buzzwords and certain criteria on a resume and if it's not there, on to the next. It, it does make it really, really tough. Well, I hate that. I, and like, all right, I hate the process of the apps. I love the bar. I mean, you and I grew up together. It's like, that's what we did. Mm. That was how we operated. And that's how we got jobs. That's how we met people. That's how we networked. And it's, I don't know. I feel like a dinosaur. Yeah. I'm not even, I'm not, I'm 30, you know? I You know, I turned 30 on the 13th. So it's like the world's always going to be changing, my brother, and, and we got to find ways to adapt and survive in a in a whole new thing. Because it, it, as much as we want it to be like we want it to be, it's it's not. You know what I mean? And and it's 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 going to continue to change. So you gotta you gotta evolve and and maybe bite the bowl a little bit and look into those buzzwords. Look, I know you can look online. I think Harvard like Harvard published their online resume class where you can pretty much copy paste a bunch of great information. I saw the shit on TikTok and just, you can like, kind of steal what these employers are looking for. It, it might help you separate yourself. I, I I don't know. You can definitely game the system. Yeah. Um, well, something else I want to ask you guys about, and this is a little bit off the topic, but I think it still ties in is um, it's about like the types of businesses that are becoming more popular. I don't think they're like the traditional business model. Like traditionally, uh, you think about car, I, I'm going to make an example, car companies, right? Cars make a product. They have people that make that product. They ship that product to dealerships. Dealerships sell that product. They take that income and they put it back into the business. That's kind of a business cycle, right? Traditionally. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, Amazon's taking all of these businesses, you know, all their products and they're shipping them to one location. And then they're shipping them out. So they're not even really making anything. They're just basically taking product and then distributing it back to the customer. And mm -hmm. I guess they're, you know, that, that's one business model, but it seems to overcomplicate or it, it doesn't give anybody any satisfaction. I mean, you can get toothpaste tonight if you wanted to. <laughs> that is, it is, yeah. The convenience factor that they've brought to certain things is nice. And I will admit um, I've gone through a couple things where their grocery delivery service has been incredibly helpful. Oh yeah. And I'm not smacking on Amazon. Like I like working for them and I have actually found that their, you know, their HR has been very good. Uh, the corporate structure is rather sound and um, I find that their app is really easy to use. Um, but it's just, it still comes back to this, like, I kind of want a 1950s, mentality where where I become really good at making something and then that thing gets put out into the world and then you know I would get compensated gradually more and more as time goes on and then eventually I can retire you know what I mean sure. at this point I feel like I'll never retire well that so that was my next question to you was was going to be you know like let, let's 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 go through it what you know what is it that you want it sounds like it sounds like you're you know maybe not wanting to play the game of you know finding value for a customer the way Amazon does is being a distributor right but they can get it to you quick and it's like yeah that's all good and well and I understand the value that you bring but that I'm not doing anything I'm just passing something through from one person to another that's all I'm doing so have you ever looked into trades I have yeah, yeah. I, Alex knows uh 
you know shank right Aaron? oh yeah yeah electrician right yeah yeah he's been he's talked to me about doing that a couple times and i've definitely all right if i would have done it right out of high school I think I would have been one of the happiest people that you would have known. But instead, I went and invested thirty thousand dollars, you know, into the University of Kentucky's Integrated Strategic Communications program, and I'm still going to have to pay on that for a couple of years. So yeah, it's like yeah. putting another ten grand down just sounds like the worst thing in the world. Now, would it be better for me in the long run? Maybe, but I don't want to take out any more debt because then that just adds to the to the already existing stress. True. But I mean, how old are you? 29, 28, 29, 29. Yeah. Most people are retiring these days around 65. Like you have, you've been in the professional world for, you know, six to eight years and you still have another 35 plus maybe to go. Hopefully less. I hope, you know, I hope you find that thing and you make a buttload of money and retire early, but realistically like 35 years left of, of a job you could, I, I know it seems daunting now. I, I'm, in a similar situation myself right now with where I am in my career path. It seems like a lot now, but it's, it's something that like, if you are truly passionate about plumbing or electrician, like electrical work, like any, any of these trades, like you could put a little bit more into that and keep your head down for just a little bit longer. And in 10 years, you're going to be looking back at it. Like, Psh, what was I stressing about? I love this now. I paid off my loans. Like I'm, I'm Gucci and I got 25 years in a career where I I'm happy and satisfied. I'll take that a step backwards. Let's say in five years, you'll be 34 ish. Yeah. Okay. So in that five years, you could have become a master welder or you could have had like two more jobs somewhere that doesn't mean, you know what I mean? So it's like, your age and the experience and the time that you put in, like, I, I know it sucks because it sucks for me. I feel incredibly fortunate to be in the position that I'm in because I was just like you, was just like Al, working for some company I didn't care for, who didn't care for me, saw really no fulfilling future and thought, well, shit, I just put a, I just put a bunch of money down for, for what? Right. So that I could go aimlessly off into the corporate world and be some cog and wheel like that's not great. And that wasn't what was promised. Right. I put down a lot of money for this. I, I think you could make this happen. And, and, and this is the same story for a lot of people out there. I think you could make this happen for a lot less than you think. And the reason that's true is because the trades are, they're starved for work and any trade that you get in is skilled work, right? I'll take welding, for example, because in air gas, we used to sell a lot to welders and we learned how to weld and all that other things like that. The welders I was selling welding gas to and welding materials to were making triple what I was making, right? And it's not glorious work, but it kind of is, right? Like you're making things, you you are melting metal into metal in a in such a skilled and sophisticated way that people can drive cars over it. You know what I mean? Like and and it's 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 scientific. It's 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 really really intense work that needs to be very detail oriented. All of that is gone by the wayside because all of us had bought into that lie that we needed to go get a advanced communication degree from the University of Kentucky, take out a lot of debt to do it and have absolutely nothing to show for it at the end of the day. The people who didn't do that or are now getting wise to that and then going into these places where there is high demand are finding themselves met with opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. I don't know if you're mobile or willing to move, but you can go be a, a pipe welder in Pennsylvania. And as soon as you're not an apprentice, you're making $100,000 and that's real money. Money. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like the trades right now, it's such a good place to be or place to want to be into because they'll take you, they'll train you, they'll pay for all of it because they need you. They need a body. They need a competent person that can learn this and wants to learn it. And then you're also part of a union too. So you have, it's not like a direct relationship with the employer necessarily because you have a middleman there, like for the most part, trying to make sure that the job is as good as it can be for its union of workers, you know? So you do kind of get some of that family mentality that you're looking for. Oh yeah. I, I agree with that. You know, I, I worked at UPS was a union based company and I liked the way that was structured. I pretty much got as much work as I wanted. It was a little rougher here and there, but you know, I kind of like that. It felt like I was a cowboy, maybe riding a bull every day. <laughs> when there, put your gloves on, and you know, yeah, the, the river of boxes would you know rain down, and we had to you know wrestle it in. So it was fun. Yeah, right. Uh, and you know, I there's a program at Amazon that allows us to um, go through these. Uh, you can become, I think, an HVAC professional 
there's there's like four to four or five different paths, and they pay five grand per semester for you to do that. Wow. Um, and so part of me has thought maybe just stick it out at Amazon, do the kind of remedial stuff, take that you know the money that they're you know basically giving to us and do something in the trades, but I, I won't go down a four year degree route again. Yeah. I felt very slighted by that and I can't not say it. I feel the exact same way. I, I went somewhere where I was paying 20,000 a year for tuition to get an art degree. That is, is very useless to be honest with you. Like it's, I taught me a lot of things, but in the business world, it's, it's a useless degree. And that's frustrating, man. Like it sucks. And, and like you said, we just, kind of bought into this lie of if this is what you do. And and I was reading an article the other day that kind of like talked about why that was. And, and it basically said like in, in 85, so, you know, when probably most of our parents who are the people that instilled our values into us, were going to college, the average cost of attending a public four-year university was about $9,100. And when you adjust that for inflation, like to today, 20 years later, it was 16 grand. 10 years after that, it was 21 grand and it's only gone up from there. You know what I mean? It's only continues to go up. So that's 127% more expensive to get something that now is kind of more useless in a way. Austin, did your, did your parents go to college? They both went to Texas A&M. So my mom got a, a communications degree similar to what I got. And then my dad got an engineering degree. Oh, wow. Nice. The base level research that I've done, I've found that engineers for the bang for your buck are probably the, the people who picked out the right. I, I think they picked the correct trajectory in their career. Engineers, lawyers, and doctors. That's it. The only three. Uh, uh, I would say, see, engineers, you can get a five-year degree, and it's not going to be super expensive, and they're going to get that money right back. Whereas yeah. a doctor and a lawyer, they're going for six to 12 years of extra schooling, you know, extensive loans and, you know, the bang for their buck is not near as good. I, and this is just my own personal opinion. Sure. So you can disagree. I've always felt like, you know, the engineers that I know, like I got a guy that works at BP and, you know, he got a five-year degree from Dayton in engineering. And I think, I mean, he had a scholarship for most of it. So, I mean, he's just making money hand over fist they got all the money, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Well, and the reason I asked you, Al, did your did your parents go to college? Uh, my dad went for a semester at Michigan State, dropped out, and then became an audio engineer like myself. And then uh, my mom actually was an accountant, and that was the other one I was going to add to the list of what you guys were yeah, saying because probably. everyone needs accountants. So it's it's just like it, that's what my mom did, that's what my wife did. They both do very well for themselves and and have had stability. Literally, they have recruiters coming to them. My, my, my wife daily has people hitting her up on LinkedIn and other places just, hey, come work for us. Here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity. And it's it's like she she has the adverse problem where she's faced with four or five good jobs and has to like try to pick what actually is the right one based on what they're giving her. So accounting, I think, is another one maybe to add to that list. Yeah, probably. It's, it's tough. But the reason I ask is because, and even if your parents did go to college, especially back in the day, then either they went and they understood the benefit of what a college degree was back then, or they didn't go and they see everybody else that did and they understand what a college degree would might have gotten them back in the day. It's not the same for us. And how could they have known, right? How could, how could they have had the foresight to be like, Oh, well, you know, you're you're not, you're not going to get the benefit out of this. So just don't go to college. That definitely wasn't the case, but like me, like Al, I don't know. I can't speak for you, Austin, but I just wanted to go live my national lampoon dream. I didn't get oh, I did. I was learning. Yeah, I definitely. It was. It was. Yeah, <laughs> it was all a cultural thing more than it was learning, and, and it was just assumed that you go, you get this degree, and you're going to get a good paying job or whatever. But again, it's 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 it goes back to the question, and nobody nobody cared to ask. It seems to be all three of us. Although Al, you kind of did go the route that you thought you wanted to take. But what, what do you want, right? What that's the question. What do you want? And if you can answer that question honestly and formulate uh, a path, right? Rule of thumb is if if you, if you decide today you know what you want to do. To get to where you want to go, rule of thumb, 18 months. is It's going to take you at least that long to get there, right? And also, you made that decision at 18 years old when you're picking a college. The person that we were at 18 is not who we are now. And I think as we've gotten older and are, are approaching our 30s in our 30s, like you have a more concrete idea of, of what you love what you want for yourself and your future, your family, like 
and I think you're at a good point now to where like, you know, those things and it's not just so much. I want to get a degree, but like you can make a decision now based on like being an adult and, and knowing what you want for the rest of your life. You know, so I think it might be frustrating, but you're kind of at a cool opportunity where you could make a career change and truly find all the things that you want. You know, it just it takes that jump. It takes that leap of faith to 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 go to that, you know. Well, I guess I can answer both you guys' questions. And, you know, because Frank asked pretty concretely, he said, what do I want? Right. And I guess what I want is that I want people to look at me and be like, oh, Austin is a blank fill in the blank austin is an electrician austin is a plumber there's like some profession that is what austin thomas is right Mm -hmm. it's not oh austin did this and this and this and this and this so whatever you know whatever steps i have to take to be able to get to that is what i want to do so is that go back to school if somebody said okay tomorrow if somebody said like hey austin these are the things you got to do and we promise 100% 100% promise that at the end of these tasks that you have to complete, you will be this thing and you'll be it for the rest of your life. Then I would take that job in a heartbeat. With that in mind, then trades seem like the most logical, from what I'm hearing from yeah. you, like the most logical thing because you put the time in, you're an apprentice and, and then you are that. You're a welder, you're an electrician, you're a plumber and the only way up from there is up. You know, and I, I, you know, I'll, I'll leave you this with this one thing. I, I, I think you, 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 one, don't let your age get in the way, right? I think it's, I think it's important to think to, to remember just how young you are, and, and two, I've just met you, but you seem like a competent person, right? Don't ever let somebody devalue that for any reason. And I mean, if somebody's going to come, if you're, if you're going to go somewhere and you're going to ask somebody for something, right? Let's say you've, you find some market in, in, in Toledo that is underserved and you say, I can go and I can, I can be a, a force of good here. Right. And you go to somebody and say, Hey, listen, I want to learn how to do this. I don't want to take out any debt to, to learn it. What, what can, what can you do? Oh, well, sorry. You know, you can't do that without going through these steps. Do not take that as an answer. Right. They need you way more than you need them. Like way, way more. Always understand that. In almost every profession, you have the leverage. And don't ever forget it. Don't ever be afraid to use that leverage and to flex it. Because if you don't, and you just take it for you know for face value what they say, then, then you're just going to walk away with that, right? They're not going to think anything less of you if you go and you say, oh, I think I'm worth a little bit more than what you're saying. Let's you know meet halfway, right? And then find a way that they win while you still win. And that is how you get ahead. Don't, don't let them devalue you just because there's these rules in place. None of that makes any difference. I promise you. If you show them that you're competent and you're willing and you're hungry, that's all that matters. And I think, I, and that's just for me speaking my, my experience, but I think that's, that's all you can do is really just position yourself in a good, in a good way. And just, you know, kind of have faith that the rest takes care of itself. Yeah. I agree with that. Cool, man. Well, Austin, I appreciate you being on brother. Come back anytime. If you want to update us on uh, your job search, Please, or if you found yeah. anything, or if you just want to shoot the shit, man, probably just to shoot the shit. I enjoyed this actually a lot. Well, good, man. That's, that's, that's great. Uh, I enjoyed it too. I, I can't speak for Al, but <laughs> no, it was, it was great, man. And, and like you said, anytime you see any news story or anything that's going on in the world, bro, if you want to come on and talk to us, you got an interesting friend or, you know, whatever. Like, like Frank said, update us on the job though. I want to know as this progresses, it could be months from now, but I, I, I want to know how it all works out for you, man. We're pulling for you. Definitely. Well, I, I would be curious to hear you guys' thoughts on uh, how many news networks there are and how to <laughs> decipher uh, what is truth or you know, like, I don't know. Truth uh, is a hard word. The fact-checking aspect of news would be an interesting topic in my opinion, but that's for another day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we have enough time for that question. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we could definitely uh, do that though, man. I'd love to bring you back on. Sweet. All right, guys. Well, uh, you guys kind of reach out if there's anything uh, you need from me and thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. That was good. I hope people found some, some insight into that. I, I know, th- I know there's a lot of people looking for jobs, man. It's such a issue for our generation, dude just jumping from job to job. I mean, he was talking yeah. about like, you know, your, your UPS jobs, your Amazon jobs, things like that. But even in like a professional, like, like super professional role, like I, you know, in, in whatever company and whatever position, everybody's just moving and moving and moving and moving and moving. And I, I, I don't know, is, it, is it an issue? Is it a bad thing? I don't know. But I think the underlying theme of that is that there's a, a 
a severe lack of fulfillment in our in our mm-hmm. work. And it like of course there is. Of course there is. Because I mean, come on. Elon Musk buys Twitter, it clears house, and Twitter's still working. You know what I mean? Like, you, you don't need a, you don't need a diversity right. inclusion. What is it? DEI, DIE? What? I don't even know what it is. You don't need that at Twitter. It's a social media platform. Why do you need that? So I, I, it, it, it makes all the sense yeah. in the world. I don't know how you fix it, but I, I hope more people begin to ask the question seriously before they make any big jumps or leaps into going to college. What do you want to do? And if you don't know, perfect. Go find out. But taking out debt is not the answer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And coming together, talking about it, you know, picking other people's brains. I think Austin was, had the right idea there. And I, I found a lot of value in that conversation. So thanks again, Austin, for coming Amen. on. We appreciate it. But back to what is really important, candy, Halloween candy. Mm, yeah. I, I was getting a lot of shit I, last night when I put out that list. And I, I'll tell you how I ranked them one through 10. Cause Costco, the pack, it's pretty solid pack, bro, for 16, 17 bucks. Like you get some pretty oh, yeah. high quality candies there. But so the, the way I ended up ranking them, and this is from 10th to 1st, 10 being the worst up to my my top tier. So regular M&Ms were at 10. Basic. It's just chocolate. I don't, you know, okay. I'm not here just for chocolate. I'm not a chocolate sure, fan. Sure, sure. Milky Way at 9. Not a big uh-huh. fan. It's kind of just like a little tiny slight bit of caramel with like this weird chewy marshmallowy shit in it. I'm, I'm not a fan. Basic candy. Yeah, well, you don't have any class. It's a tasteful candy. <laughs> Followed by Kit Kat at number eight. I'm not a fan of, of these shortbread <sighs> candies. I, I just don't. I, I'm not here for it. I'm, it's a. It's not a shortbread. It's a wafer. It's not wafer. It's, it's light and airy and it's crispy. It's just not for. I'm not a big chocolate <sighs> fan, so that's not what I'm. That, that's what you got to understand with my list is I'm not here for chocolate. I'm here for well, the other. You bought things. the wrong bag of candy. I don't know what to tell <laughs> this you. Is for the kids, bro. It's for the kids. Number seven on my list is Twix, and this is the one that I got lit up for by many people online yesterday I, i'm but personally i'm just not a fan of of that dry shortbread in there and a little bit of caramel it's just it's not doing much for me um then at number six would it be yeah six i have york it's a nice refreshing minty candy you know it's it's a change up from the usual pace so i'm i'm here for that i like that uh at number five i have almond joy because it's a great fucking candy. Coconut is delicious. It is a great candy. At number four, I have 100 grand because it's all the caramel you would ever want in a candy bar with just that perfect. Don't roll your eyes at me. It's a great candy I just, like, bar. Why, why? Why? Like, why? I just don't understand it. <laughs> it's a good candy bar, but like, like you said, it's just all caramel. You're just like, mm-hmm. that's what I'm here for. Doing all that and it gets stuck in your teeth. <laughs> why do you want that? Why is that pleasurable? I don't understand. Anyway, <laughs> number three, I had peanut M and M's because it's just it's a great M and M. It's a standard. Those are tremendous. So good. Uh, two was a Reese's peanut butter cup, and at one, it Snickers. I, I don't know how you beat a Snickers, bro. It's everything you need in a candy bar, in my opinion. Yeah. So it is. It is. Uh, I think that I think Snickers deserves the top spot. Did you know uh, candy bars were introduced as meal replacements? Really, like a like a protein bar yeah. kind of thing? Nah, I, I don't know that they were that uh, privy to pro- protein and all that, like in the twenties. Mm. But yeah, it, it they were they were introduced as a as a meal replacement. That diet has not worked for me thus far. I have here from the Los Angeles Times the official candy bar rankings. You ready for these? I'm ready. I got another candy-related ranking for you. Uh, coming at number one, you'll never guess. Take a guess. You'll never guess. Uh, shit. Um, it makes sense, but you'll never guess it. As in, just like what's sold the most? What is what is no, the no, list no, no, based no. off? This like, is this is the this is the ranking. So, it's 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 about taste. It's about texture. It's about um, the the wrapper that it comes in, everything. I feel like the most definitive basic of it would be a Reese's peanut butter cup because it's simple, it's bright orange, it, it, it's a good design packaging wise. That that would be my guess. Number one, take five. Really? It's a good candy well, bar. Think about it. It's a good candy it's a bar. Great candy bar. Yeah, yeah, it is. Caramel, mm-hmm. chocolate, peanut, peanut butter, peanuts. And pretzels. And a pretzel, right. I can't forget the yeah. pretzels. Yeah, I mean, come there. on. Yeah. It's got it all, mm-hmm. really. I mean, it's kind of newer, so it's probably why it's not top of mind. It's not like the classic. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. Number two, I don't agree with this. I love them, but I don't agree with it. Butterfinger. Yeah, it, it's a good can, but no way is it number two. Yeah, no the way. The flavor is tremendous. It is. It's very, It's like the mouthfeel and the texture. What ah, is Butterfinger, though? Is that butterscotch? Is it peanut butter? What the fuck is a Butterfinger? It's it's like brittle. It's like... Oh, it's like peanut you know, brittle. Like, yeah, like, I like, got you. Yeah, you know what I mean? In a way. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, number three, my favorite candy bar. To me, is number one. Payday. Paydays are great. Payday, paydays are good. It's sometimes too much peanut, though, to the ratio of caramel and whatever else is in the middle. Nougat. What is nougat? Is it, yeah, what is nougat? I don't know. 
That's you, that's your that favorite candy bar? My favorite candy really? bar. Really? Okay. okay. Oh, yes. Um, number four, Snickers. Oh, yeah. Great. Number five. Oh, yes. This is oh, Toblerone. Tope, dude, I can't remember the last time I had a Toblerone. That shocks well, me. That shocks me that's so high. But it's so good. It, I don't remember. I'll have to eat one soon and get back oh, to you. Oh, it's very good. Number six, Twix. <laughs> okay. Number seven, Baby Ruth. Baby it's Ruth. A very good candy bar. Yeah. Similar to a payday, right? Just like reverse? Um, with caramel nougat and chocolate. Yeah. 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 Um, number eight. I don't know if I've ever had one of these. Whatchamacallit. Those are pretty good. Those are pretty fucking good. Uh, number nine. This is where they start to lose me. Charleston Chew. Mm. That yeah, that's not. I mean, shit. Can't tell me Charleston's beating a Reese's product, man. Come on now. And then number ten is O Henry. Oh, those are good. Have you ever had one of those? I I, I I've seen them everywhere. I can't remember. Good candy bar. Good. Yeah. Good. So that's a that's a top ten according to the Los Ang- Angeles Times. Interesting. And I, I'll remind everyone, my list was just based on the Costco variety pack. Those are not my top ten favorite candy things. So. Just to throw, just to clear my name, you know, in the candy yeah. rings. Uh, what it brought me to is looking into the top ten or so uh, largest candy manufacturers in the world, and and then trying to decipher if I kind of agree with that or who my favorite distributor is of candy. So um, coming in at, at, how do you want this? Do you want this number one first, or do you want me to work my way sure. down? Okay, number one was Mars at $20 billion in sales worldwide in candy. And it's way too much candy. Yeah, right. That, that's what this whole Jesus research made me realize Christ. is that we fucking love our candy. But some of their brands are include Three Musketeers, Five Gum, Altoids, all of the Wrigley's gum, so Big Red, Juicy Fruit, all that stuff. Uh, Dove chocolate. They also make uh, combos, M&Ms, Mars bars, obviously, Lifesavers, Milky Ways, Snickers, Skittles, Starburst, Twix. They got some heavy hitters in there for sure. Yeah, they do. Um, number two is Ferrero, mm. which Ferrero Rocher shocked me a little bit, but a hundred grand is in the family of Ferrero, so it, mm-hmm. it doesn't, you know, it's not totally crazy. They also make Baby Ruth, Butterfinger, Crunch Bars, all the Kinder candies and chocolates that you see. Uh, they, they're responsible for Fannie Mae and Ferrero Rocher, I think is how you say that. Mm-hmm. Those chocolate, those like little golden balls that you can be, get in the... Fannie Mae, the student loan provider? No, the chocolate Fannie company. Fannie Mae? The chocolate company. There's a chocolate company called Fannie Mae? Of May? the same name, yes. They're they're pretty good. Mm. They they sell like the chocolates you buy like, you know, to give to your mom for Mother's Day or, you know, just like those assorted boxes of like long whatchamacallits, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ferrero also just, like on the cookie side, they do Keebler, Famous Amos. Um, mm, and they all, Amos. the big one, this is this is a, probably a huge moneymaker for them worldwide, Nutella. They also distribute, okay. they also do Tic Tac. So th- those are some pretty big ones. Their sales coming at $13.6 billion a year. Number three was one that I hadn't heard of, but Mondelez. Have you ever heard of these guys? No, I don't think so. They, uh, they come in at number three with $11.5 billion in global sales. They're responsible for for uh, Cadbury, Belveda, Chips Ahoy, Halls, the honey made like graham crackers. Um, they do the milk of chocolates, those really nice can- like purple candy bars that you can get with all kinds of different flavors. Philadelphia cream cheese and that whole family. They also do Oreos, Ritz crackers, uh, Prince, uh, Stride, Sour Patch Kids. That's a big one. Thank you for the watermelons. They also distribute Toblerone, uh, those Tate's cookies, Trident gum, Triscuits, and Wheat Thins. So pretty big for, I've never heard of these guys, but they putting out some shit. Man, we love our treats, don't we? We do. Good night. Number four was, it's a Japanese company, Maihi, I think it is, M-E-I-J-I. They have $11.3 billion in sales. I looked into their products. I, I don't know much of them other than like those Hello Panda little cookies that oh, have yeah, like those, those fillings. Uh, they make the those Lucky really Sticks, good. which are similar to like the Pocky Sticks. Um, but I, I think overseas, I, I think they're like the main candy company over in, in Asia and whatnot. So that's that's probably a, a large bulk of their sales. Number five is Hershey. You knew they were going to be on this list. They their their list is so long of, of what they do. I mean, I mean their list their list is so long. I mean, they're doing like the Brookside chocolates, obviously Hershey bars, cookies and cream bars, almond yeah. joys, Carmelos, Twizzlers, Hershey Kisses, all the Reese's family, Kit Kats, Rolos, whatchamacallits, 
take fives, paydays. Uh, they even make all a skinny pop and the pirate's booty. You know, so many uh, York peppermint patties, Jolly Ranchers. Like that list just goes on and on. So they're they're a top tier. If you ever get the chance to go to Hershey, Pennsylvania, highly highly recommend it. Uh, really cool. I heard it smells like shit. It smells like chocolate, baby. It's amazing. Does it? Yeah, and, and that's somebody it. told me it smelled like complete ass. Oh, I, I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe they had COVID. I don't know who told you that, <laughs> but uh, um, really cool. And it's also really close to like, you can get to like Philly. Uh, if you're into the Civil War, like Gettysburg and Fredericksburg and all those battlefields are, are really close. The Pocono Mountains are close. It's, it's a, honestly like a good vacation stop to make. Um, and then number six, I won't go into the whole top 10, but number six is Nestle at 7.6 billion. And their brands include uh, the Aero Candy Bars, Boost, like the nutritional drinks. They also make a lot of like, pet food like purina and, and whatnot cheerios coffee make creamers it's not really candy though but they also make a ton of water yeah they do make a lot of water they do and hot pockets but back to their candy uh they they do kit kat bars as well lion bars nesquik smarties any starbucks at home product is theirs any nestle toll house so i mean they, they got a, a strong line too but I, I pose you the question out of those like do you have a favorite would you say a favorite snack manufacturer producer yeah. conglomerate? Yes. <laughs> yeah, if you had to pick one, you could only eat their candies for the rest of your life. Uh, give me whoever makes the payday. Hershey, we'd be Hershey. in the same boat, my friend. Let's yeah. go. I'm, I'm all American with them, classic. Bro. Yep, give me my cookies and cream bars, my almond joys, my Reese's payday, take fives, champions in my eyes. It's been a, a hopeful show. It has. With a lot of fun-loving uh, topics, I'd be remiss if we didn't uh, put a damper on that. Um, <laughs> takeoff. Yeah. Shot and killed last night. Yeah, man. Craziness. It's a very sad story. You know, it is sad. It's really sad. And I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what this means, but like, I'm seeing all of these people, especially like prolific rappers, coming and saying, like, this is senseless, this doesn't make any, you know, how could this happen, this, that, and the other. But it's like, all you got to do is listen to one song that they make. And like, this is the stuff that is glorified. And I'm not saying that I'm not blaming anybody or that anybody deserves this. Obviously the most like senseless way that you could, you can go out. And it looked like it may, it may even be like he was caught in the crossfire of this stuff. Like it wasn't like, like that bullet wasn't intended for him. Well, yeah. I mean, the whole, the whole story is, is they were shooting dice late night this, or I mean, early this morning, late night last night. And, um, they got into an argument. Quavo, I guess, was who was shooting dice. Sounds like takeoff was, and from all the pictures and videos that have been released, like kind of just chilling. He, he was like a really reserved person. And, and in this scenario, he was just kicking it. And Quavo was getting his ass like handed to him, losing a shit ton of money on dice, got into an argument about basketball after that. And, he, they were hanging out with like you know some pretty higher up people, gangsters, whatever you want to call them, like some some serious people. And it sounds like it got tense. People they kind of started pushing and and you know getting in each other's face big time, and it kind of caused a surge. And then reports are that people that were with the Migos fired the first shots, and in those first shots, takeoff was hit by his own people. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I read too. The other party returned fire. He got hit again. And I think he died pretty quickly thereafter. Um, but it, it, yeah, it's senseless, man. It, it sucks. I, it, I don't know if this is a result of the music they make, but definitely perhaps the crowd that they keep. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, to me, that's one and the same. Yeah. And I'm, sure. I'm the first person to tell you that I am as ignorant as anybody about this, right? Like I don't live that life. I don't know what it's about. I, I, I'm speaking completely out of my ass here, but it just seems to me that like, if this, you speak on what you know, and then you you come out and you say that it's like senseless and sad and this, that, and the other, but it's to me, it's like, well, yeah, it is, but it's also been invited. And I, yeah. I, I just like, where does it stop? I feel like every other week, dude, we just get, we just get a new story about somebody who's getting, you know, caught up over their, their, their jewelry that they're wearing at Roscoe's or, you know, getting robbed and murdered at a motorcycle dealership. You know, it's like, where does this, where does this end? Like, how do, how do you turn a corner from all this? I, I, I don't, I, I don't want to see any more of these stories. Yeah. I mean, you, you know why it's allowed or continued, man, is because it makes money. And I mean, it's, it's the point mm, yeah. kind of that Kanye yeah. West was trying to make, man. He, he said that other people, parties own this music and most of the businesses that run this industry. It's not, it's not in our hands and they, they allow it to happen. And then when I say some things about 
their their people, the Jewish people is who I'm referring to here. Sure. Instantly blacklisted and lose all my endorsements and two billion dollars in a day, as he says, or or whatever it was. And it it just I mean, Kanye made that so much worse than but like the point he was trying to say was that and and he made he said, Go look at your the top ten songs in Apple right now. I guarantee you it's music talking about fucking bitches, shooting, you know, N words, yeah. yeah, you know, money, money, like I'm a baller. He's like that's that's what's the problem, and and he tried to address that in a, in a he tried to address it, just did it shittily. But we're, we're continuing to see the results of this, man. I went back and looked at a list of shootings. I mean, shit, just since 2018, man, we've lost Triple Extension, Jimmy Wapo, Smoke Dog, Nipsey Hussle, Pop Smoke, King Von, Young Dolph, Drakeo, uh, PNB Rock, Takeoff, Trouble. It, it, it's like these dudes are all 20, bro, 21. 26 31 like young dudes man it's it just it's senseless dude. it just it's it's heartbreaking to hear man yeah and it just it just uh, it just seems that like this culture is trapped in its own in in like the the devil of its own making you know like it's it's mm-hmm. the like it's 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 the lifestyle that's that's there and it's glorified what's, it's what's glorified and i don't know man I, I listen to their music i fucking you know but 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 i i never really thought to pay attention to what they were saying but then all the whole day today their lyrics were just in my head yeah we got 30s and 100 rounds too like okay well great (laughs) well now he's dead you know what i mean it's just like to me it's just like oh fuck like like did you mean it did you really mean what you were saying but also what they're speaking on is is a product of the environment that they've been raised in their whole life so that just then you just get into the deeper discussion of you know inner cities and welfare and 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 gang life and culture and and it it spins to a way way bigger issue man but i i can't fault them i know they're glorifying it and and obviously it has these unintended consequences but i I can't fault them for speaking what they know about because it it would just be like if we started going at country artists i mean i know country artists aren't like shooting each other and killing each other but it's like those white dudes that grew up corn-fed and fucking drinking beer riding fucking tractors and trying to fuck bitches like that's that's country music in a nutshell right. you know they're writing about what they know and, and I, it's the same here it's just what these guys know it's a scary world and i don't want to like speak on this like it's something that like needs to be fixed right like that's yeah, that's that's yeah. that's an inappropriate way to to it, the 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 evidence is just so overwhelming. Like you, you, you're forced to reckon with it as senseless and as dumb as this murder was or, or, or this homicide at the same time. It's, it's like, how do you, how does the message get across? How do you, how do you, how do you, you know, make somebody aware or, or help somebody like learn that when you speak about these things constantly, that it, it is what you invite in and yeah, it's what, right. it's, it's what you surround your, your, your life with. And fuck man, like, I don't know, dude, it's just so sad. It's just so like, just so devastatingly sad because moreover than anything, they're just young men mm-hmm. who have so much more to give. Right. And they'll never grow old to see anything happen. And right. why, why is the reason for that? There's none almost ever. There's none. And it's just like, oh, fuck, dude. I'm so sick of hearing mm-hmm. it. And I mean, it's same, same with like a Juice World and a Little Pete, man. It wasn't, you know, gang violence or anything like that, but they glorified drinking lean and fucking popping zannies and all this other shit. And, you know, look where they are now. You know? Well, I, you know, something's got to give. And I, and I, I, I don't know. Maybe now, maybe now there's a little bit more, I don't know. I don't know, dude. I don't know. Yeah. Like I can't. I, I can't even speak on it because it's not my life. It's not my culture. It's not my people. I don't. I don't live that life. But I do respect the music because it's everywhere, dude. Like these guys were in fucking James Corden's car. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like that's how that, that, that that's how much we bridge the divide there. What's tough though is like, how do you ask a people, ask a group to like change what is part of their culture? That'd be like going into Mexico and saying like. The cartel, you know, like let's el- eliminate the cartel. Don't don't respect the cartel. Change your ways. Change the way all this works because it's not for the greater good, and it's leading to death and murders. And- yeah, there's no there's no solution, right? There's no solution. <laughs> you know? There's no solution at all. But but there yeah. is there is something that you and I could do at a personal level that we probably won't. Um, that's what's not that? that's not consume their product. Ah, that's tough though, man. Why why is it so popular? Why does it make so much money? Because the people who are least affected by it. Mm. are the mm. ones that are listening to it the most and the True. ones that love to 
pretend right yeah or yeah. like to apply it to their life like it somehow is relatable or you know make a meme like this is me driving to my nine to five listening to gangster rap ha 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 yeah okay well, great well that that is born obviously out of real shit and so it's like all right well we can't change that that entire culture we couldn't even pretend like we had the the ability to do that but if we still consume their music are we complicit am yeah. i gonna stop am i gonna stop listening to rap probably not dude probably not it's a good point yeah fuck fuck yeah i don't know yeah. man but I, I i i am i am really really tired of saying these stories yeah good hurts, young man. american men died for no reason it's a shame mm -hmm. it is all right there it is there's your damper i hope you feel good about yourselves <laughs> go listen to some great positive gospel. uplifting episode and and talked about candy and and the joys of life and trying to find a career you're passionate about and Yep, you can't have you can't have anything. <laughs> Fuck everyone. Oh man, but once again, thank you to Austin Thomas for coming on and talking to us. Really enjoyed that conversation. Um, if any of you lovely listeners ever want to come on, join us, hang out with us, talk to us, shoot us an email at bummerdo.media@gmail.com. We will be sure to get back to you promptly, and we'd love to have you all on. Frank, where can they find our other materials? Yeah, uh, hit us up on Twitter at friendshipnh, uh, on TikTok and Instagram, same handle, Friendship News Hour, and you can send us an email at bummerdude.media@gmail.com, bummerdude.media@gmail.com. It works. Austin is proof positive. So shoot us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time. Adios.